Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 249 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading 2 Corinthians chapter 12 today, and our focus is on what is paradise? Where is paradise? What is the third heaven Paul was caught up to? And the power of weakness. So a fun and interesting episode today, I think, because our topic is pretty awesome. As always, I remind you that our goal is to encourage you in daily Bible reading, listening, understanding, and following so you can jump in any day and join with us, and you can invite your friends and neighbors to join in with us too. If you want to share the show, the best way to do it is a link to our website, which is Bible2021.com. That's Bible2021.com. And you can find a written transcript for every episode of the show, including this one, at Bible2021.com. Today we're talking about the ultimate paradox of the Christian life, the power of weakness, which sounds like a self-contradictory statement, if ever there was one. I have a love hate relationship with today's chapter. I initially hated it, but have grown to grudgingly love it, and maybe, hopefully, I'm losing the grudging part. You see, just being completely honest, I don't like the dynamic here that Paul's talking about. I know it's true. I've seen its truth over and over and over again, but I just want to be strong. I don't want to be weak. I want to be the strong one. I mean, not as strong as God or anything, but I want to be, you know, kind of strong and God be like super strong, right? Weakness doesn't appeal to me in the least, but the fact of the matter is we read in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 through 10, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow. So three mega truths we see here. Number one, the power of God is perfected in our weakness. Number two, when we walk in human weakness not seeking to overcome by our own fleshly or human power, then Christ's power resides in us in a greater way. Number three, when we are weak in ourselves, we are strong in the Lord. So how important is this message of weakness uh, equals the power of Christ? Well, so important that God allowed a messenger of Satan to torment Paul. Why? Well, so that he would not be prideful. I want you to think about that. Think about the ramifications of that. In fact, let me ask you a question. What do you think is more dangerous? A, a tormenting and torturing messenger of Satan that you are powerless to fight against and God's not going to protect you from, or B, your own pride. Now, I bet if we're honest, most would say the messenger of Satan that we can't be protected from and God won't (laughs) protect us fully from either is the most important dangerous for us, but the fact of the matter is, according to the Word of God, pride is even more dangerous. How? How? How can it be more dangerous than a tormenting, torturing demon? Well, because humility is such a treasure and pride is such a danger. Pride goes before failure and destruction. We see all throughout the Bible, including in Proverbs eighteen twelve, before his downfall, a person's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Humility also leads to answered prayers, as we see in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, when the angel says to Daniel, to, to Daniel, don't be afraid, he said to me, for from the first day that you purpose to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your prayers were heard. And 
Humility leads to being lifted up by God. As we see in James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So if we walk in pride, God will bring us to ruin. And if we walk in humility, God will heal our prayers and bless our lives and exalt us and lift us up. Proverbs 37.11, the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. Isaiah 29.19, the humble will have joy after joy in the Lord. So the power of weakness is the power of humility and the power of walking by faith in God and not by our own power and strength. Remember the word of the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity. When it comes, he will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Jeremiah seventeen five through 7 May the Lord be our strength. Next topic, shifting gears pretty grindingly. What is paradise? Well, if you recall, Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. And Paul talks about being caught up to paradise in today's chapter. So what is paradise? Now, if we were talking to a Catholic, you might find they would say it's another word for purgatory. But I don't find the word purgatory or the concept of purgatory in the Bible. We do find the word paradise in the Bible in more than one place, though. The word itself seems to be borrowed from a Persian word. In in the Persian language, that word paradise meant a grand enclosure or preserve, a hunting ground, a park, shady and well-watered, in which wild animals were kept for the hunt. It was enclosed by walls and furnished with towers for the hunters, or a garden, or a pleasure park. Now, that tells us a little bit, but how is the word paradise used in the Bible? Well, interestingly, It's used in a way that pretty clearly tells us what paradise is. In our chapter today, Paul appears to be coyly talking about himself in the third person. And he says in verse 2, I know a man in Christ who was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows, was caught up into the paradise and caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a human being is not allowed to speak. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. I love passages like this because Paul uses two different words to describe one concept, paradise and third heaven. So what is third heaven? Well, in first century Jewish understanding, the sky or the atmosphere was the first heaven. What we refer to as outer space was the second heaven, and what we think of as heaven, God's kingdom and abode and dwelling place, that was the third heaven. And so we see clues to this in places like Revelation 2-7, where Jesus says, let anyone who has ears listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So, paradise slash the third heaven is a heavenly place that Paul visits that the thief on the cross would go to immediately after his death and that the tree of life grows in. And where is the tree of life now? Well, Revelation chapter 22 tells us, and it says, Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the city's main street. 
The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. In fact, Revelation 22, if we were to keep reading, mentions the tree of life three times as being in this place, the new heavens and the new earth. So I conclude from this that paradise equals the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem, which is the city being talked about, which Christians consider to be heaven, their eternal dwelling place, and not some mysterious other purgatory-like place. So paradise basically equals the eternal state in heaven, dwelling with God. Let's read our passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Boasting is necessary. It is not profitable, but I will move on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a human being is not allowed to speak. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. For if I want to boast, I wouldn't be a fool, because I would be telling the truth. But I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I've been a fool. You've forced it on me. You ought to have commended me, since I am not in any way inferior to those super-apostles, even though I am nothing. The signs of an apostle were performed with unfailing endurance among you, including signs and wonders and miracles. So in what way are you worse off than the other churches, except that I personally did not burden you? Forgive me for this wrong. Look, I am ready to come to you this third time. I will not burden you, since I am not seeking what is yours, but you. For children ought not save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be spent for you. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? Now granted, I did not burden you, yet, sly as I am, I took you in by deceit. Did I take advantage of you by any of those I sent you? I urged Titus to go and sent the brother with him. Titus didn't take advantage of you, did he? Didn't he, we walk in the same spirit and in the same footsteps? Have you been thinking all along that we were defending ourselves to you? No. In the sight of God, we are speaking in Christ and everything, dear friends, is for building you up. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I will not find you to be what I want, and you may not find me to be what I want. Perhaps there will be quarreling, jealousy, angry outbursts, selfish ambitions, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I fear that when I come, my God will again humiliate me in your presence, and I will grieve for many who sinned before and have not repented of the moral impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality they practiced. Amen. Well, let's close with our Bible memory verse for the month of September, which is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, 
for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Amen. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.